Welcome to the Locala Podcast. This is episode 10. And so I would like to ask you what you feel you are most grateful for in your life and your journey. More than anything, I am grateful that I have been able to maintain uh, an optimistic outlook. Okay, despite my experiences, I've never given up um, and I never stop trying to see the best in people. Hello and welcome to the Locala podcast. I'm Lisa Anderson, publisher of Locala magazine and your host for today. In our chair today, we have Cindy Quick from Patriot Service Dogs. She is a consultant, and we will jump on over to her in just a moment. First, we would like to thank our sponsor, which is the book Shameless. Fifteen women share their journey of self-awareness, self-love, and leading with light. You can find this amazing story on Amazon. All right, let's head on over to Cindy and tell us about your story today. So welcome, Cindy. Hi, good morning, Lisa. Good morning. So I will let everybody know that we have already been chit-chatting a little bit and we were out taking photos because we also have Murphy down here on the ground and um, she is being very sweet and just sleeping and she did a wonderful job at the photo shoot this morning. (laughs) So let's go ahead and just start from the very beginning. Cindy, you mentioned that you are local born and raised. So tell me a little bit about growing up here for yourself in Ocala. Okay, so I'm actually from Inglis, Florida, uh, which makes uh, Ocala look like the big city. I definitely (laughs) thought of this as a big city growing up. Um, Born and raised, my family came here in the 70s, gone to school for 17 years of the life, stayed here the entire time. Very small town, but I always kind of wanted to do something different. Uh, I'm a little bit of a strange one. Um, my childhood was not entirely the best. I mean, it, it's just like anybody else. There was good and bad moments to it. Definitely had a love of nature and animals and the area that we grew up in. I love the springs, the river, the ocean, all of that. So... Uh, like everybody else, uh, my mm-hmm. family has some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I did grow up in a household that had domestic abuse and substance abuse. Um, that was very much a formative part of my experience. Mm-hmm. And it very much led me to the typical small town, I want to get up and get out yeah. as soon as possible. So I went to college at Florida Atlantic University, and that was a culture shock. Okay. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Coming from like itty bitty English, going to Boca Raton was eye opening for me. And uh, it, I, I don't want to say that I was naive, but I was a little naive. And I, I made some very poor choices uh, when I was in college with the people I associated with mm-hmm. and the things that I chose to do. Um, I was very aware of the socioeconomic differences between myself and my peers. Um, I was a scholarship girl and I grew up pretty poor. Like I am a thrift shopper at all times. Everything is reduce, reuse, recycle, all of that. 
And then I was surrounded by these people who just had ultimate wealth. Mm -hmm. And that led me to want to at uh, attain that wealth for myself. I was yeah. like, okay, we, we need to make that happen. And then I slowly but surely got involved with some kids who were dealing drugs, and I became a drug dealer. Okay. And how long, how long were you doing that? Um, a very briefly, actually, before I got in trouble. So, like, end of 2012... Um, to mid-2013 is when I first got arrested. Like I said, I was naive, and I wasn't yeah. really good at it. <laughs> I mean, I was, but I wasn't. Yeah. Um, wound up in trouble, got arrested, and turns out I, I was moving like weight. I was kind of like a middle fish in the pond, not really understanding the, the consequences of what happened. Yeah. And one evening, we were raided at my house, and I was sent to prison for five years okay so tell me how that goes like that experience because that has to have been pretty traumatizing you know you're you're I mean you kind of went around that a little bit growing up right with with the drug abuse and alcohol and stuff like that but still I mean yeah definitely so um it, it was kind of normalized mm -hmm. um uh, and again so Giving my my home situation growing up, um, I had a, a little bit of a different idea of what the actual consequences for these actions were because I saw it as a normal, accepted, everybody does this all of the time. Yeah. Um, it also didn't make me very prepared for manipulation with other people, um, although it did give me a lot of situational awareness, which... Yeah turns out to be a great thing for me later on. Um, prison is everything that you've heard about in the, the stories and the books and not at all the same, all, all at once. It's a huge contradiction. Um, it actually was one of the best experiences of my life, believe it or not. I know that's like a weird thing to say, but it really gave me a moment to stop um, and pause and think about what I was doing with my life and the direction I was going and what I wanted to do moving forward. Yeah. Um, I, I did not want to repeat the mistakes of my family and move forward with those behaviors. Mm -hmm. And I found that I was. Yeah. I was repeating those patterns, um, quite frankly, without doing anything but selfish things and having that that time period away where I was physically removed from all of my friends my family my associations the life that I had built and getting down to the bare bones of okay we're gonna have to start over yeah. everything's going to be different it gave me an opportunity to really reflect and decide that I wanted to make more selfless decisions yeah. Uh, in in my future yeah. and that is what led me to dog training yeah so tell me about how did you find out about the program in in jail or prison and and how did you decide that that's what you really wanted to pursue yeah of course so um one thing that i i didn't want to do i'm a very motivated person mm -hmm. i've always been uh busy and driven kind of adhd hyper focus i find activities and projects things to do creative mm -hmm. so the biggest 
hurdle for me in prison was actually boredom um, because it is a very regimented uh, routine every day. You are told what to do, what to wear, where to go, who you can talk to, who you can't talk to, who you can touch, who you can't, which you can't touch anybody, by the way. (laughs) Um, It's very strictly enforced, and that monotony was something that I could not envision myself doing for five years and maintaining my sanity. So I did some research on the different programs that were available, Mm -hmm. and when I was at Gadsden Correctional Facility up in Quincy, Florida, I learned about a couple of different dog training programs, and I became a part of Service Dogs of Alabama. Um, They are uh, a service dog organization as well. They do canines for kids, canines for heroes, diabetic scent alert, epileptic seizure alert. Mm -hmm. My first dog, Pepper, uh, wound up going to a school for blind children, Uh and he kind of just laid around like Murphy does here and let them pet them while they learned how to read out loud oh wow yeah so it it was a really cool experience uh and that's how i started in 2017 there was some pretty bad population issues and some other issues that was exposed at that facility um, that led to mass moves and transfers of the inmates and i was a part of that Mm -hmm. and i wound up back here in ocala at a Lowell Correctional Facility. Okay. Um, when I got here, it was a little crazy. Like, think welcome to the jungle, all right? <laughs> Lowell is a, it's a multi-branch facility. Mm-hmm. So they have maximum security and death row okay. at the annex. Um, they have uh, the work camp, which is where Patriot Service Dogs was originally located, okay. um, which is like a lower security level, um, Mm -hmm. misdemeanor crimes, uh, different behavioral aspects that have given you more privileges over time, Mm -hmm. um, and jobs that actually go out and work in the community where we work on the public parks, we work on the highways, uh, the recycling center out in Williston, all of that. Um, So when I got to Lowell, I was like, okay, well, this dog thing has been the thing for me, and I really have a knack for it. So I was like, I want to try again. So I found out about Patriot Service Dogs, and I put in the application because there is an application and interview process to become involved, and I haven't looked back. Yeah, so, all right, so let's let everybody know exactly what Patriot Service Dogs does with their dogs in particular. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about that program. So Patriot Service Dogs is a 501c3 nonprofit. We raise mm-hmm. full-service dogs for veterans free of cost, okay? okay? Um, our dogs are typically donated dogs. Um, we have a wonderful breeder, Miss Tracy, that uh, provides uh, a good majority of our dogs from Country Goldens, although we have started to branch out and find different breeds and different rescues who bring them in. Uh, Our puppies typically come in at eight to 10 weeks old and they start training from day one, like you saw with Shenandoah Mm -hmm. out at the photo shoot. Um, The dogs stay with us for uh, about two years, just until they've reached their full maturity and we can put them through a full medical examination to make sure that their hips, their elbows, everything is good. 
um, physically on them before they're placed with their veterans. And they learn over 90 commands with a range everywhere from positions to object differentiation and retrieval. Um, We train for mobility and balance issues, PTSD, all of that. Okay. Well, perfect. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk a little bit once again about Shameless. Um, 15 women shared their journey of self-awareness, self-love, and leading with light. And this book is a powerful story of women who have been either shamed, gaslit, bullied, some have been sex trafficked, some were raped, and it's about their experiences and about coming out the other side to be positive leaders and helping other women out of these similar situations by showing that it's possible to live a healthy and happy life even after such tragedies. So if you're interested in this book, I would highly recommend you go to Amazon where you can download it on your Kindle, get paperback or hard co- hardcover. All right, let's head on back into the interview. So, all right, tell me a little bit more about the experience of actually having the dogs in the prison. What was that like for you? Did you get to bring them back to your cells? Were they with you all the time? Yeah, so um, at the work camp, uh, the cells Mm -hmm. were were more like a dorm room. Okay. Okay, so there was two sets of bunk beds and then one single bed in the room. Everybody wanted the single bed, by the way. That was the choice real estate. Um, And then at the end of those two single beds, uh, the kennel is set up for the dog. So when you're in the program, you are with the dog 24-7. You are entirely Mm -hmm. responsible for everything that they do, from first potty in the morning to feedings to medications to training, to walking, exercise, interacting or not interacting with others, and just making sure that the dog gets set up for success. Um, Typically, we have eight to 10 dogs in the facility Mm -hmm. at a time. Uh, It is a smaller team, and space constraints can make it difficult for us to get more dogs in. Um, The puppies are going to be with us the entire time and we have like multiple training sessions every day. So we have like a a day room, kind Mm -hmm. of like a living room area um, with open areas that we have our training tools. So um, our key, a set of keys, their leash, their vest, uh, different things for them to hold. We work on their positions and we take a little treat pouch like this and we start the puppies out by luring them into the commands. Um, all of our commands, we do both hand signals mm-hmm. and verbal cues. This way the dog can be set up for success with both. We never know what our veterans are going to need yeah. until later on in the process. Um, and you're, you're responsible for them the entire time. So you develop a really, really strong bond yeah. with your dog. And it, it's one of those things where... It's the best of both worlds. Like a lot of people, they have this perception that, oh my God, the dog is in prison. That poor dog. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, that dog is getting the best love, care, and attention than any pet you've met, okay? Because they're they're the center of our world and they're the only soft, warm, fluffy, loving thing. And because you can't give hugs or touch anybody else. Yeah, yeah. That's your love right there. One thing for me personally, so I'm an excessive 
high fiver and we can't do that so i teach all of my dogs high five as one of like the first trick commands because sometimes you just need a good high five i love that and it works yeah it's definitely a thing so tell me a little bit about how that really helped your mental state while you were going through oh it was huge so you know um i i do have my own mental health issues i have had some substance abuse issues and, and everything like i said i came from uh, traumatic situations mm-hmm. in my childhood. Not trying to trivialize that, but it, it was a factor. Yeah. And it made me very aware of the fact that I was in a facility with 71 strangers and I didn't really like people that much. <laughs> so I was like, oh God, this is a lot with no freedom, no choices, and just realizing how much you messed up. Yeah. How how critically you messed up. Yeah. And uh, that can be extremely demoralizing, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets very lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, just being starved for human touch and contact. You know, um, I was very lucky. Uh, my family and I, we repaired our relationships. Um, we're on good terms nowadays. And prison really helped us to stop and analyze what we were doing in our interactions with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom in particular and my dad, we, we visited quite often. I, I had, I'm very lucky to have that support. Yeah. Um, not a lot of inmates have visits from family and friends like that. And mm-hmm. it, it can be really bad. But even when you do have those visits, it's for a few hours on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, there's times where things can be canceled. So you get like all dressed up and ready to go and you're excited and you can't sleep and then the compound's shut down because of a shakedown or an outside thing and you're crushed, your family is crushed and it's just, it's uh, not a great situation but at the end of the day we had the dog to cry into their fur, you know, and you couldn't just sit and wallow because Murphy needs a walk. Murphy's got to be fed. Murphy's got to do training, you know. Um, It really gives you a focus and a path because regardless of what I was feeling, I knew that I needed to take care of this dog Mm -hmm. and help set her up for success so she could help somebody else through their hard times. So you bonded really well with the dogs. So how? What was that like? like did you have to give up one of the dogs while you were still in prison? Oh yeah, you graduated. Yeah. yeah. So, so how um, did that? How was that? I've worked with so since 2015. I've had um, four dogs long term personally, mm-hmm. and then I've worked with the past. Uh, I want to say 20 to 25 dogs who have been in the program closely. Yeah. Um, we do a couple of different things. So it's very important to establish the bond to help train Mm -hmm. and form that relationship. But also our dogs need to be able to perform their commands for anybody. Okay. If I was to give you Murphy's leash because she's in an advanced stage of training, Mm -hmm. you could do any of her commands, sit, stand, shake, speak, side, heel, get your leash, and she would perform them for you as well. The way that we help them to differentiate between other individuals and generalize those commands is we work as a team and we will rotate dogs. So um, say I started Murphy off as a puppy. That first month or so while we are bonding and establishing her basic commands and setting her groundwork, it's just going to be her and I one-on-one. Yeah. Okay. 
After that, she is going to be passed off to other members of the team. It might be something as simple as they take her out for her exercise and her walk Mm -hmm. on the yard. Or they might do her daily 15 to 30 minute training session. Or they might take her into the day room in the evening while I take their dog and we sit and watch TV. Mm -hmm. Okay. We spread the dogs around. Mm -hmm. Um, This way they can be effective no matter who is holding their leash. This way when they go to their veteran, they're good to go. Yeah. It's not just, oh, Cindy gives me a command and I have to listen to Cindy. It's, no, oh, I was given a command, I have to do the command. Yeah. And um, while it, it can be difficult to give them up some people struggle with that more than others Mm -hmm. um i i struggle with it for a bit but the great thing about it is there's always another dog yeah (laughs) always we we have a surplus of puppies and they are always available so literally immediately after one dog is gone boom you've got another dog you can take care of and get going and setting up that kind of helps roll that over so you're not so mentally taxed yeah, one yeah, up. yeah, definitely. And I mean, you you have your favorites. You have your ones that stick with your heart. So my first service puppy was Maverick. Oh. And Maverick was a rescue from Hales Angels Pet Rescue in oh. Gainesville. Okay. Uh, we actually still work with them on occasion. And uh, we have two aspects of the WOLF program, Women Offering Obedience and Friendship at Lowell. We have the um, Pet Rescue mm-hmm. from Hales where we take typically six dogs that are having difficulty um, getting adopted and we do like an eight to ten week boot camp to help teach them basic manners and make them more adoptable okay Okay. so you always start at the Hales Angels side of the organization and then as you are learning how to train Mm -hmm. and as you're showing that you're reliable and dependable and you're actually following through the procedures you graduate up to the Patriot Service Dog side. Okay. okay. And then you get a puppy. Oh. And it's wonderful. <laughs> and now you have a puppy to take care of. So Maverick was a, a cool little switch. He was actually donated by Hale's Angels Pet Rescue mm-hmm. and sponsored by the Jacaranda Isles community of the villages. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he was just wonderful. He was a super mutt. We did a DNA test on him, and he had, like, nine different things going on. He had the face that kind of looked like a pity, so people were like, oh, my God, that's going to be a service dog. And I was like, heck, yeah. (laughs) He's absolutely fabulous. And um, one of the cool things with Maverick, I'm actually also a server at Cody's Roadhouse in Lake Sumter Landing. And one evening, I came in for my shift, and this is about a year or so after he had placed with his veteran, Ron. I came around the corner and I saw his tail underneath the table. And I was like, is that Maverick? <laughs> and, and the uh, daughter, I believe the daughter-in-law and the son uh, looked and they're like, yeah. And I was like, I raised him. And I started Aww. crying in the middle of the restaurant. Um, I got to talk to Ron and meet him for the first time face to face, which was really cool. Oh, He's fantastic. actually been super sweet. Um, he still sends monthly updates and emails Aww. on his progress and Maverick's progress. Um, that's one thing that differentiates Patriot Service Dogs from some other organizations and training. We are hands-on 
yeah. with our veterans from the moment they put in their application until the moment that their dog passes away, yeah. okay, or retires. We are with them the entire time. Um, we do monthly follow-ups and evaluations. Uh, one of my um, roles in the organization as a consultant, I have my own uh, training business. I do train pets, but I will come in as a consultant if the veteran is having a particular issue with the dog, like, hey, I can't get them to get onto a bus without freaking out about the bus. I will then go and set up a training appointment time with the veteran and we will get together and we will troubleshoot what's going on. And it may be something as simple as, oh, you're feeling nervous when you get into this public space and so your dog is picking up on your energy and we need to set you up to be a little more confident. Or it may be, oh, the leash was on wrong or, oh, she just isn't focusing and we need to go back to basics to establish her focus before we go and embark on that next situation. Yeah, so you're basically there for them through and through from the beginning to end and in in the middle, yeah. So let's back up a little bit to um, your personal story Mm -hmm. and tell me about um, coming out of prison then and continuing with Patriot Service Dogs. Oh, man, so coming out of prison was a shock. Yeah. It was very overwhelming. I remember the first time I went um, grocery shopping uh, and I had to go and pick up laundry detergent and it was so overstimulating, okay? Um, the scents, the colors, all of that, that's not something that you have. Like, yeah. it, it may not be something that you are you consciously think of, but you, in prison, there's very... Um, limited items and materials that are available there's Mm -hmm. there's no variety okay so it's the same stuff uh for five years for four and a half for me i got out early because of good behavior yeah um so when you now have this influx of options uh it it can be a lot and i i had a a mental breakdown in the middle of the dollar general at the laundry detergent Mm -hmm. aisle because i was like oh this is a lot. Yeah. This is a lot. I have been very lucky. Um, I have extremely supportive friends and family who came, took me out. We went to the beach afterwards, went out, commuted with the ocean, had some time. And then um, within a week, I was looking for apartments. Um, I was very lucky to be a part of a work release program while I was still incarcerated. Okay. And uh, I actually got a job um, in Orlando at Preppy Pet Daycare and Boarding. It's uh, like doggy daycare and overnight facility. Sure. Um, So I became a kennel manager there while I was still incarcerated. And when I got out and was released, I still had my job waiting for me there. So I went and found an apartment in Orlando, met with some girls, got together, Mm -hmm. lived together, started working there, and have just been constantly um, doing whatever it takes to make sure that I stay on top of things and Mm -hmm. pay off my debts. Um, I have some substantial debt uh, because of my types of charges, okay. uh, I have like over $60,000 in fines, yeah. um, which was a, a huge financial burden yeah. uh, that I'm facing. So I haven't really had the option to slack 
Yeah. That, that, that's not an option. So I've always been working multiple income streams. Um, I went from the doggy daycare facility to working in restaurants. Uh, I became a server at a Denny's and then I also learned how to cook while I was there and once they realized I could do both front of house and back of house they decided to put me in a management position and I actually was a manager a manager over here at the one on 40 and 75 okay. for a while and was working that as well as starting to help people out and do dog training sessions yeah. um Another thing that uh, was one of the programs that I did while I was incarcerated, I was part of an environmental horticulture vocational program for okay. 16 months. So I really got into nursery design, landscape management, all of that. And I put that to use too. Yeah. I was started mowing lawns and weed eating and taking care of beds and doing garden designs. And I actually started my own landscaping company. It's called Leaf it to me. I love that name. Thank you. Thank you. I consider myself a yard artist. Yeah. Uh, and I've got a few clients in the villages now who I'm doing things with them for that. I come in weekly, weed their beds, plant flowers. I just did my first hardscape patio, a six by 20 by hand. Ooh. Ooh, baby. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and it, it's just been nonstop. Yeah, I don't have time to, um, like I said, slack or or really relax because I have very strong goals uh, for myself, mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that I don't ever go back to the types of behaviors and choices that led me to prison in the first place. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. So, when you first came out. Um, did you still have a dog with you when you first came out? No. no? At, okay. at first, I really needed to set up and establish uh, a base for myself. Sure. Okay. Um, one of the, the biggest things with dog training is you need to make sure that you're at a steady level and that you're mentally prepared mm -hmm. to work with the training. One of our uh, tag phrases is, whatever you're feeling goes right down the leash and the yeah. dog's going to feel it. So if you're anxious, if you're upset, if you're frustrated and you try and do a training session, your dog is going to respond to that energy and it's not going to be successful. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I really needed to take that time to get myself a home, you know, take care of that hierarchy of needs. I needed food and shelter and income and all of that mm -hmm. to get myself established. Um, I was still involved uh, with Julie and Patriot Service Dogs. You know, um, when we had different speaking engagements or events, I would come and talk about my story and, again, help as a consultant to show some of our weekend raisers and volunteers how the training is supposed to look and mm -hmm. show them that, yes, this dog can do it. Yeah. And you can do it too, I promise. Here's some treats. Look, let's try that again. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things that we do every year, it's called Not So Scary at Disney, and we take all of the dogs, all right? We get them together. We get them dressed up in their vests and whatnot, and we go to Disney, and we go trick-or-treating. Oh, fun. <laughs> it sounds like just like a super fun thing, yeah. but it's also a really important aspect of the training because we need these dogs to be prepared for any situation. Absolutely. Okay? Including crowds, loud noises, 
fireworks. Um, we make sure we go on the monorail and we go on the ferries so they're used to boats, different modes of transportation, and that they can be effective in their training, calm, cool, and collected at any point in time. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's like one of the things that uh, while we're incarcerated, like we, the entire journey mm-hmm. of that puppy from eight weeks on until they're placed, we take photos and videos of all of their weekend outings, their exposures, anything that their puppy raisers does, including those Disney trips. So while I was incarcerated, we see like the pictures of the puppies out of Disney and we're all like, oh my God, we want to do that. Yeah. And Julie is very big about when you get out, if you want to continue to be involved, be involved. Yeah. We will be here for you. They have been wonderful at helping to support us in our transition um, if you choose to follow through with those resources yeah. and continue to make good choices yeah. and not tell so scary a, is one of those rewards yeah tell us a little bit about julie who's julie so julie sanderson is one of the founders and i believe she is the ceo of patriot okay. service dogs she is a wonderful lady she has such a big heart um and just focus and passion. Um, She is in the prison uh, almost on a daily basis. Every few days she's there just to be involved with the dog, see where everybody's at on the training, make sure the food and the medication and the toys and the treats are all being taken care of. She coordinates between the sponsors um, and make sure that all of the dogs are up to specs and on the the point of where they need to be um but beyond that one of the things that she does is really she tries to focus and help us overcome some of our personal battles and our issues um she makes sure that we do book reports Mm -hmm. once a month and uh like different topics and studies and presentations so we become more comfortable speaking in front of a group of people yeah right uh one of their tried and true activities we have a um, notebook of like inspirational quotes and things that are submitted and basically the game everybody gets together in a circle with our dogs we open the notebook open up to a quote and we have to stand up and read the quote out loud Uh, there's like a quote of the day on the board and there there's many other aspects to what julie does i cannot say enough how wonderful and involved she is oh that's fantastic so i do want to ask you two more questions Mm -hmm. and the first one is the theme for this particular magazine is gratitude Mm -hmm. and so i would like to ask you what you feel you are most grateful for in your life and your journey Ooh, that's a big one it is a big one i know (laughs) um more than anything i am grateful that I have been able to maintain uh, an optimistic outlook okay despite my experiences I I've never given up um, and I never stop trying to see the best in people mm-hmm. and hoping that they can do that in that way um, I, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt at all points and times I have met people who have these crazy life stories and have been through things literally have murdered people and are some of the most wonderful individuals that I've ever met and I never thought that that would be something I would say out loud but it's true if you give people the opportunity if you have an open mind and continue to just 
let people do what they need to do, you, you can move forward in a really happy way. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And then is there anything else that you would like to address? Don't give up. Don't give up, guys. It, it's hard. Um, life is not a, a pleasant or easy thing most of the time. Um, however, there are small moments of joy and just peace and gratitude and bliss that you can find in the most unexpected ways if you just continue to get up and try every single day. Thank you so much, Cindy, for joining us today on the Locala podcast. Once again, I am your host, Lisa Anderson, publisher of Locala magazine. If you would like to view this magazine, you can go to www.localamag.com. We would also like to take a moment to thank our sponsor once again, Shameless. 15 women share their journey of self-awareness, self-love, and leading light. You can purchase this book on Amazon and you can find the link in the description. Once again, thank you for joining us on the Locala podcast, connecting you through stories.